honestly, when one o'clock Sunday rolls around, I feel like my week's over. Although I assume because of late swap, you at least check in again around four o'clock Sunday. Yeah, I do. Although like I, my late swap routine pretty much is non-existent because if I'm like struggling, I, it's not worth it to me to late swap to hopefully min cash. I don't have the patience for that. And if I'm doing well, the last thing I want to do is swap out and and, and potentially regret it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I that I couldn't I couldn't that I couldn't handle. If you made a, a late swap and it cost you big money, you would basically assume the same position as your daughter when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would definitely assume the same position as my daughter when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. She's lost the, the Super she, Bowl. But you said it. You you said won the Super Bowl because subconsciously you know that they deserve to win that game. They, well, they did deserve to win that game. That was a shitty fucking penalty. It just was. <laughs> right. Uh, but I- even I don't say they deserve to win. They deserved a chance to win is the is the actual. Well, right. That's, right, 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 right. But, that, I mean, the, the, that's not a penalty you call at that point in the game. No. No, it is not. Can we make this the subject of our cold open uh, the next 18 weeks in a row, finding a way to work <laughs> that holding call in? Possibly. It's possible. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on Gamble On, we'll cover today's official launch of legal sports betting in Kentucky, the biggest month of legal gambling in the entire history of Nevada, and a new sort of sports betting, sort of fantasy product that Jeff will do his best to explain to me because I don't think I understand it. Uh, also, of course, when we get to the bankroll segment, football, football, and more football. Happy week one, Jeff. Uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, and, 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 you know, and uh, Aziz and Pesach to you. Uh, <laughs> we're also going to be welcoming uh, Bobby Gomes from uh, Roto Grinders and from DraftKings commercials that you've seen three trillion times in your life. Uh, but first, as always, plenty of news to get to, Eric. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. As of today, almost right this moment, as we record the pod Thursday morning, we have us a new legal sports betting state. Kentucky became the fourth state to launch in 2023, following Ohio, Massachusetts, and Nebraska. But it's only retail sports books for now. Mobile will follow in three weeks on September 28th. But at least in person, at nine venues, all of them horse tracks or OTBs and the like, people can place sports bets in time for the first NFL game of the year. The most notable venue launching sports betting is Churchill Downs in Louisville, where Governor Andy Bashir was slated to place the first bet. Jill Dorson had a whole story on Sports Handle yesterday listing all the venues, what their sports books have to offer, some of their promos and such. Not a ton for us to analyze here. This is a pretty straight news story. But, uh, Jeff, anything in Jill's article catch your eye? Anything you'd like to say about the official launch of sports betting in Kentucky? You know, surprisingly, I kind of am warming to this idea of retail going live first. Okay. Uh, so there's a couple reasons. The first one is that I think it kind of actually builds excitement. You know, it becomes a social event instead of a solitary event. Hmm. Like if you want to bet on sports, now you got to go out and I don't know. I think there, you know, there, there's, there's definitely would be a buzz as a result of that. Right. Um, and on the responsible gaming, gambling front, I'm going to say gambling, on the responsible gambling front, yes. uh, I think it serves as a it, it may accidentally serve as a firewall here, you know, for people who really want to get their bets down and who are really excited about it, you know. Um, it forces them to like go place the bet in person, right? And it's a lot harder to place a bet in person than it is on your phone. You know, there's a lot of thought that has to go into yes. it. Um I think it might actually help 
from might help would be better is uh, you know preventing them from getting out over their skis. Now, I, for real, I you know I've been playing daily fantasy sports. I've been betting with friends, but like I hadn't really placed a real sports bet. I didn't go online. I didn't go offshore ever. Like it wasn't worth right. the aggravation for me. But the moment Passbook passed and the moment New Jersey went live, I started betting, and my first bet was a two-team CFL parlay. I won. Uh, <laughs> But to get, I mean, that tells you, like, you know, I was ready right. to bet. And I'm right. sure there were a lot of people like me in the same boat. I mean, is it possible that I could have, like, lost, like, my first four or five, six bets and, like, uh, you know, had you know, developed an immediate issue? Possibly. Would that happen if I had to drive to Monmouth Racetrack every time to place a bet? Obviously not. Right. Um, I don't know. So I, 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 the idea that it becomes, like, this big social event and the idea that it's, like, an accidental, like, responsible gambling firewall, I don't know. I like the idea of retail first. Who knew? It's a good point about the the social element and that, yeah, it turns it into an event as opposed to just some people tweeting that, look, our sports book is live now. That's there's nothing fun about that. I, this it, it is kind of cool now that now that you mention it, um, the responsible gambling firewall. I agree that uh, probably harder to um, go overboard live, but I guess at the same time, they're just delaying the fact that people will have the opportunity to do that on their phones in, in a few weeks. Um, I will also note that I much prefer the term responsible gambling to responsible gaming. I I go out of my way not to type the words responsible gaming unless it's like in the official title of somebody's month, right. month-long celebration of something or, or whatever, just because I feel like gaming is such a BS euphemism for what this is. Um, but anyway, um, having looked at, uh, at Jill's article, a couple of things that stood out to me. There was uh, a note on uh, Churchill Downs is offering what they're calling bet and jet parking, 15-minute um, parking specifically so you can run in and place a wager and then return to your car within 15 minutes, um, which immediately, though. Not very me- social. <laughs> Not very social, but so you're right. They're failing to celebrate that part of it. Um, but it immediately makes me think of uh, the issue in Pennsylvania, particularly, although in many states with people leaving kids in the car uh, while they run, go into gamble. And uh, and it's causing I, I can't believe what an epidemic that has become. But uh, uh, I suppose a, a 15 minute uh, parking limit is uh, a little less dangerous for leaving kids alone in the car if you're going to go that route. Um, but the uh, the main thing about the bet and jet parking is that it's a decent idea, but probably obsolete in three weeks when mobile betting launches. If you're if you're right. the bet and jet type, you won't go to the live sports book to do it. Um, and then the other thing that caught my eye was just some of the sports book hours in the state. Um, one place, Derby City Gaming, is round the clock, except uh, 6 to 8 a.m. some days they're closed, but otherwise they're open round the clock, which makes sense. Churchill Downs closes by 10 p.m. even on weekends, which is not great for the crowd that likes to watch games in the sports book. Again, not not playing into the social element of the retail launch. Mm, good point. Yeah, well, uh, good for Kentucky. I'm happy that they got this done. It's yes. done pretty quickly. Yeah. And 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 then the real fun starts in three weeks. And and I guess the to sort of cap your point on the positive of the staggered launch, we sort of get to celebrate them launching twice. That's right. There you That's go. Right. All right. We go now from a state where sports betting is brand new to the state that has had sports betting the longest, Nevada. Uh, but this is not a sports betting story. This is an all-around gambling story. In July, Nevada casinos set an all-time single-month record for the state with just over $1.4 billion in revenue. Gambling revenue just on the Las Vegas Strip was also its highest ever. Specifically, there were substantial year-over-year increases in July in sports betting revenue, Baccarat revenue, and multi-denominational slots revenue. So, safe to say Vegas is doing okay post-pandemic. But as someone who is actually in Vegas for a few days this July... I got to say, I'm stunned the record was set in July because July is a terrible time to go to the desert. I would never choose to go in July. I was just there because that's when the big fight was. So that part shocks me that enough people go to Vegas during the hottest time of the year to make it the biggest revenue month in history. Although maybe we're just seeing the casinos bilk customers better with their six to five blackjacks and triple zero roulette wheels and all that stuff. Jeff, any theories on why this was the biggest revenue month in Nevada history or any other thoughts on Vegas you'd like to share? 
Uh, cheap flights, maybe. How about that? There's one uh, post. We're still in a like post COVID bump. Maybe people maybe. are like, oh, I always want to go to Vegas. You know, uh, maybe some states bumping minimum wage to like more of a living wage. People got a little money in their pocket, maybe from stocks or the job market. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why anyone would go to Vegas uh, in July either. You, you, you ask me when the last time I've been to Vegas was. When was the last time you were in Vegas, Jeff? Take a guess. Uh, did you go for a G2E conference at any point? I can't remember. I, I have not. Okay. Well, then I'm going to guess the answer is either a very long time or never. Yeah, 1995. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. I mean, I, 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 I don't have a reason to go, really, is what it comes down to. Uh, if I want to play negative EV slots or table games, and I do not want to play <laughs> right. negative EV slots or table games, <laughs> yep. I could, you know, I could be at parks in 25 minutes, you know? Um, I mean, I'd go to Vegas. I mean, it's gonna, obviously it would be fun and all, right. but like, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to, I would go like if, you know, if I was going, I'd hang out by the pool, I'd, you know, I'd go out to some nice dinners, but I, you would not find me ever sitting at a table. With that said, I, maybe the brutal weather is kind of good for the, for getting people to find themselves sitting at a table. Um, just in that, if you are going to go to Vegas this time of year, you're pretty much going to be focused on on indoor activities. Even even the pool uh, could be. It, it's so hot out that I don't even know if I could sit by the pool for very long. I guess if you're actually going in the I pool, could. yeah. I don't know. Um, I thrive in the heat, Eric. Yeah, you know when you and I saw each other for lunch the other day, we were we were saying that we both prefer extreme heat to extreme cold, but. Yeah. Vegas in July is really over the top because I, I was just there and I, I found that you have about a two minute window outdoors in the sun. Two minutes. It's uncomfortable, but but you won't really start sweating. But after that, the sweat breaks, even if you're basically standing still. And and, and once it starts, you're in trouble. Uh, I guess, you know, if you're lying by the pool and not worrying about sweating through a shirt or whatever, it's a little less of an issue. But I don't know. I I, I can't imagine what would make someone choose to go to Vegas in July. I, I mean, I guess a lot of people have time off and in the summer, and so that's when it's most convenient to go. Um, I'm not sure if flights are cheaper, but at least I think rooms are cheaper. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There, It's kind of counterintuitive that the record would get set in July, but I guess there are some parts of it that make sense. Um, and, and I do also keep seeing all these stories month after month about record traffic at the airport in Vegas. So seems the city has been doing well post-pandemic for a while now, which makes it a shame, in my view, that the casinos insist on trying so hard to further stack the odds in their favor. I mean, I, I enjoy a little blackjack from time to time, but I'm just never going to sit at a six to five table. And I'm also not going to play when the lowest price tables have $50 minimums. Um, Is that right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there were some 25. When I was walking, this was specifically Park MGM where I was staying the last time. There were some 25s, but they were always too crowded to even think about finding a seat. And that, But for the most part, it was 50s. And it's just, I don't know. I, I remember when gambling at a casino used to be a lot more fun than I now find it. And you can always find hole-in-the-wall casinos in Vegas. But if you're on the Strip, the big casinos, affordable games for low-stakes guys like me are, are pretty hard to find. Yeah, I, I don't need to go. I'll, I'll, I don't. I, I've never tried cottage cheese. I don't feel like I'm missing anything. <laughs> I don't know. Never tried cottage cheese. Wow. It looks. It just looks disgusting to me. It looks bad. I guess. I mean, you. I guess the thing is, you have to be given it at some point before you're before when you're young enough not to make such judgments. I as now as the uh, lactose intolerant American that I am, I uh, no longer partake in cottage cheese. But as a kid, I loved a good cottage cheese and pineapple blended together. I just can we just move on to the Did next you just throw now? up in your mouth a little bit? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Cottage it's a great cheese and pineapple. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's delicious. No. That can't be a thing. <laughs> oh, it's definitely a thing. I'm googling it as we Because talk. they now I mean oh, they now Yeah, they now sell like in the stores they sell like the little packages that's like pineapple on one side, cottage cheese on the other or various fruits and cottage cheese and you kind of mix them together. But uh, no, as a kid, my grandmother, I remember staying with her. She would uh, bust out some pineapple and some cottage cheese, mix it together. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I, I can see how much this is upsetting you. I may do another five minutes on cottage cheese and pineapple. 
All right, all right, all right. I'll move on. I'll move on. (laughs) Our third and final story this week is about Mojo Fantasy, which just launched in 19 states with a product it's billing as a form of fantasy rather than sports betting, though it perhaps involves a bit of both. Mojo first launched its stock market style app in New Jersey last year and has now devised Mojo Fantasy, riding the wave created by prize picks, underdog, and others with a new game legal in lots of states that haven't legalized sports betting. And I'll stop there and let you try to explain, Jeff, how Mojo Fantasy works, because I'm not sure I totally understand it, but hopefully you can break it down for me and the listeners, and then I can offer an informed opinion as to how free and clear of legal hurdles this sounds. I think I understand it. Uh, it's it's available in 19 states in D.C. It's not available here in Jersey, which is dis- disappointing. But uh, all right. So it's like DFS in that you're going to join either a GPP, a guaranteed prize pool with, you know, the bigger payouts up top, mm-hmm. um, where every 20 to 25 percent of people cash or you're going to play a cash game, you know, like a 50 50. All right. Okay. But instead of picking players, OK, you're going to pick player props. All right. And there's be thousands to choose from. And then you will have a salary cap that you can assign as you see fit. You have okay. to choose at least four props. So let's say I love the Saquon Barkley prop. I could you know, put 90% of my salary cap towards that and just like, you know, fill in the other three props. You have to pick at least four, but you could pick as many as you want. But, you know, you only have a set amount of money that you could dedicate to each one. Okay. Uh, you know, total. And then, and then here's the thing. You can trade them. As the game progresses, these are like options contracts, like they're going to close at zero or one, right? Right, right. And so you could trade in and out. You could lock in your profits. You could cut your losses. And as you do that, you can like buy more props, you know? Right. And you could try to move up the leaderboard. And, you know, if you finish in the top half in a 50-50, just, you know, you you, you, you double up your money. And the GPPs are, are I, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to run. It, it, the way they explained it to me was that, if you make money, you, you're guaranteed to win something. Right. But if you make, uh, you know, I, obviously they're going to have to like have like cash prize. I, I, I don't know how the G, I, the GPPs confuse me because yeah, I, that, it, that sounds a little. If, if you finish ahead, you're guaranteed you to win something. Right. That that right. if if more than half the field finishes ahead, then where's the money coming from? So, right. Right. Yeah. So hmm. I'm not entirely clear on that, but I I, I am clear on this. This is a great idea, um, and they stumbled into it. This was not their plan. You know, their plan was like in New Jersey, where they operate. It's a stock market, uh, you know, idea. And it's I, I've played around with it. It's fun. This is a lot of fun. This is this is sports betting meets DFS. This is basically peer to peer sports betting, right? right. Uh, you're putting your knowledge up against everyone else's knowledge. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I hope that it catches on. I will be shocked if the FanDuel's DraftKings of the world don't jump on this a little bit. Yeah. I'd be surprised if Underdog doesn't jump on something like this. Um, I'm surprised no one has jumped, has done this yet. I, th- I the, 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 the biggest issue for me for this, and when I was talking to the guy at, at, at Mojo, I said the same thing. I said, the only problem with this is that, like, you have to kind of be engaged. Yes. Right. And I said, what you should do is offer a second set of contests where you pick the props and that's it. There's no trading in and out. You're just picking the props. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, They should probably include that option because that's okay. First of all, I'll just say, I think I understand it now pretty much. Um, Probably still would have to try it to fully 100% get my mind around it, but I pretty much understand it other than the, uh, the GPP thing that has us both a little uncertain. Um, but yeah, that my main thing was the fact that trading in and out feels like a lot of work, a lot of paying attention, which, you know, that's exactly what some gamblers want. But, you know, it's total opposite of the best ball mentality, the set it and forget it kind of approach. Um you know, it's one thing to have late swap and have to spend a few minutes between the early games and the late games making decision, but decisions. But this is like you're just paying attention, making decisions all day long. And yeah, that I, I feel like it's it's not even it's just one of those things where then you have to basically know in advance if I'm putting significant money into this, I'm devoting my whole day to it and if I don't, I'm at a disadvantage. And yeah, that's that's a turnoff for me, the way that it sounds right. like it's a pretty big turnoff for you. 
It um, is, yeah. I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't want to do it. But right. if I could, if I could pick four, five, six, eight props in a salary cap style game, and then I walk away, right. that's fun. Yeah, they should definitely. Yeah, now now that you've said it, they should absolutely have contests with late swapish trading in and out, and contests without, and yeah. and uh, let you compete against the field of players that you want to compete against among those two options. I will say that this does legitimately sound like primarily a fantasy product. It seems this is one of those that is not so much a, a sort of sports betting project product that the state commissions are gonna are going to target this. It sounds like they sounds like they've at least found something that doesn't feel like the legality should be in any serious question. I, uh, I mean, I agree with that hundred percent. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the gamble on interview. Winning a million dollars playing fantasy football is nice, but winning a million dollars playing fantasy football with your brother is twice as nice or half as nice, depending on your perspective. In any case, our guest this week on the eve of NFL season was the co-winner, along with his brother Dave, of one of the very first DraftKings Millionaire Maker tournaments back in 2014. You probably saw his face on DraftKings ads about a thousand times over the next couple of years. He's now an analyst for Roto Grinders. Bobby Gomes, welcome to Gamble On. Yeah, happy to be here. Excited to really get into we. It's pretty much the greatest time of the year, week one of NFL. So, a lot of great gambling topics we can hit on on the show. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, let's start here. Um, you've won a Millie Maker. You've also won a hundred thousand dollars on a sports bet when the Patriots won the Super Bowl on the Malcolm Butler interception. Safe to assume one of those two is your favorite sports gambling memory? And and if so, which of those two is number one? And and then while we're at it, uh, what's your all-time most painful sports gambling moment? Yeah, no, there's, I, yeah, th- that year won the Millie and the Futures on the Pats. Uh, that was a great year. Um, for me, it was the Millie, obviously, just because it was like basically recorded and it ended up being a commercial. It was just really a cool feat. But then, obviously, going to the Super Bowl, we had placed that bet before we won the Millie. We split that, and uh, we ended up basically watching our team win the Super Bowl. And from a fan perspective, like I feel like I was pretty much a casual at that point. Um, it was kind of a tremendous. It was like a tremendous year. So right. I I really enjoyed it. Um, if I had to pick one, it would definitely be the Millie. But I was on the goal line when Malcolm picked the ball off too. So that was like pretty close. Like it was overall, it was a great year gambling. You hit on the third one, which was what's the most painful. Mm-hmm. Most painful was, uh, it wasn't even like losing a, like I've played DFS. So I've definitely had, I'd gone through the swings of it. The most painful was when I was, I'll never forget this. When I was like 15 years old, me and my buddy were just first started gambling local book and we kept betting hockey. And it was like Pittsburgh and Washington were the one and two seed. They're like, oh, they can't lose. And we're just getting into it and getting our feet wet. And both teams got swept. So we just were down like about $4,000. We were like 15 years old. We didn't know how to. We basically had, we ended up getting the money together. But it was just a absolute um, interesting situation, to say the least. But I, I never forget that. So I never get, like for me, I know how this goes. Like you can never get too high or too low. Obviously, in that commercial, I'm going crazy. My brother's going crazy. But yeah, it's just like it's gambling. Like there's there's swings, so you have to be able to kind of withstand them, right? That's right. the name but, of the game. But if if ever there is a time to get a, a little bit high and a little excited, I think I think winning a million dollars, it's it's reasonable to uh, not be Mister Stone Faced Responsible Gambler in that moment. I, yeah, exactly. The fan, it, the best part about it was it was just the fandom, right? Like I actually still had my fandom at that point, and I didn't care as much. So in that sense, like I. It, like I feel like it robs you of your fandom. So then mm. we the we won with Jonas Gray. We had the Jonas Gray week, and then we basically won with the Malcolm Butler interception. So you're tied to this team, correct? Like at that point, and we were already invested, like in the Brady. Like I grew up with Brady. Imagine Massachusetts without Brady for the last two decades. Like it snows here every day. It rains the entire summer. It's the most miserable place <laughs> on earth. So like if you don't have that this place is terrible. So it's just like, 
it was such a it was to be attached to that was fantastic like in my own way obviously i'm not personally attached to it but like being able to get have like a life experience that's tied to that along with the great life experiences i got from that team over two decades it was it was phenomenal right but now i'm in the place where i i'm like i can't even watch the patriots on sunday you know what i mean or like I'm not a Red Sox fan anymore, you know, or a Celtics right. fan or a Bruins. I feel like that's everyone talks about that when they get into like the streets, whether it's DFS or your or your sports betting. You lose your fandom and it sucks. And I it's it's terrible. I hate saying it, but yeah, it ends up not being as it's not as innocent, you know. Right. I guess. Yeah, no, it's a drastic turnaround. I I I grew up a diehard sports fan, uh diehard New York Mets fan. Uh, freshman year in high school was game six. I was crying with two outs in the ninth against your Red Sox. And uh, fast forward, like, I don't know, two years when I started gambling, I would have sold the Mets out for a $5 bet. Exactly. You know? I, no, exactly. It's, it's terrible. I remember being a little kid and Aaron Boone hits that walk-off versus the Red Sox, and I'm in tears at my house. Like, it was everything to me. Um yeah, it's nothing. Just, it's nothing to me now. It, it does it's not move the needle. It's terrible. <laughs> and when people say it, it's like, oh, it's it's the worst because it's like you're it's I don't know. It's it's something that I always kind of think about is like, I, I wish I had my fandom more till this day. But like, obviously, you make a trade off. Would you consider this kind of leads into my question? Would you consider leaving a sport behind in order to gain your fandom back? I would never gain it back because I'd be uh, totally desensitized. Right, like, right, right. You know, I it's just everything's basically about your bottom line when you're right. doing this. So, so leading into that, actually, if you could, you obviously you're betting all sports all year. You're 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 heavily involved here. If you had to, at this point, now that everything's legal, DFS, best ball, uh, sports betting of every stripe. If you had to limit yourself to one sport, one type of gambling, what would it be? MLB DFS, not even close. Yeah. I think it's. People hate it. I think it's my best. <laughs> my mind works the best around it. Like I, I think it's easily my favorite. Um, just the game theory and basically, I, I think it's like the purest fantasy game. So I think that's the game that I would target. That's where I get the most enjoyment. I'm most passionate about. So yeah, definitely MLB DFS. Hmm. So but I couldn't I, tell you a ton about like MLB teams. Like nothing. I couldn't tell you. I know the Braves are great. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> But it's just, yeah, it's just names and numbers to you, basically it's just names and numbers at this point. Yep, a hundred percent. No, I uh, before I got into DFS, I had like kind of dropped away from sports a little bit. I couldn't name this is not an exaggeration. I couldn't name five NBA players 10 years ago. No, no yeah. lie. Now, and today I could probably name a bunch. But come October, I could tell you who the eighth guy off the bench is for the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I can do all that. Like, yeah, you get. But I just don't. I have no outside of like what it, what they are that day. Right. Like my friends are all like, oh, are you looking at DraftKings salaries for week one? And I, I'm like, I'll look on Sunday, you know? Right. I, I, I hear you. All right. So uh, speaking of uh, DraftKings salaries for week one and all other things, uh, week one, that is that is the big topic uh, on everyone's mind. NFL about to kick off. Fill in the blank for me on this one, Bobby. The most undervalued team in the NFL right now heading into the season is blank. The most undervalued team? Ooh, that's a tough one. You're getting like is, get... is is there someone is there someone whose futures you've kind of been eyeing all off season and and pouncing on and betting them here and there because because you just felt like they weren't getting enough respect. I like Washington's team total. I forget what where you can get it at, but I w- I'm pretty bullish on Howell. I like Dotson, obviously, uh, McLaurin. Like they definitely have talent. You have Eric Bieniemy there, so I think that's going to be like a turnaround. Antonio Gibson should be in a good spot. Um, yeah, so I don't mind Washington. What do they have Washington just for the – they're 60, 65 to 1. Like, I don't know if I'm taking them to win the Super Bowl, but right. I think for their win total, I think it's something that you could target. Um, okay. What do they have currently for their win total? Uh, I think – Wins. Uh, let me think it's like seven and a half. Does that sound right, Jeff? Because uh, Because now I'm – Six and a half. Okay. Yeah, and, and I'd I'm, go over six and a half. And I'm curious what their number to win the NFC East even is. If the, let's see, that's uh thirteen hundred plus thirteen hundred uh, at one at one sports book. Uh, they're not. They're not beating Philly though. So okay. So it's but uh, maybe maybe a to make the playoffs kind of long shot as a wild card, 
or you're yeah. not even that high on him. You just like him over the six and a half. I like them over the six and a half. Yeah. Is there some other sort of long shot for the Super Bowl that that you kind of have your eye on? And actually, I'm curious. Uh, and I know you're not really a fan anymore, as you've made clear. <laughs> but the people people seem very split on the Patriots. I'm not high on them this year, but I know some people think they're gonna sneak up on people and have another big season. What's your stance on the Patriots coming? What would you the consider year? a long shot? Like for me, I, I don't mind like the Chargers at twenty five to one. <laughs> you just named Jeff's uh, favorite team all yeah. all off season. He's got it like he's invested heavily in the Chargers in various ways. Yeah, I feel like Baltimore at eighteen to one. If you consider that, like I know you're getting under twenty. I, I don't mind Baltimore. I think that offense, like I I like offenses that are ex- like taking advantage of like just using just becoming more explosive overall. Miami, obviously, like we've seen, they they have speed everywhere. The Chargers and basically Kellen Moore. Now they're going to push the ball downfield uh, more. Not to, no pun intended there, but <laughs> right. they're definitely going to um, be able to like with Quentin Johnson, Keenan, Mike Williams. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to go deep. Baltimore is going to be super fast with Zay and Odell. So and Lamar. Um, yeah, I like offenses that prioritize speed. Going any lower than I think those would be probably my three favorites. Okay. Music to Jeff's ears. Yeah, I love the Chargers this year. (laughs) All right, let's talk about best ball for a second, which has completely ruined my uh, April to August forever. My girlfriend wants to kill me. She's pregnant. (laughs) We have a 15-month-old, and I I honestly think I'm going to be out of the house. I just finished up my underdog 150 like two nights ago. She was like, thank God you finished that up because it was going to be over pretty soon. It's a lot, man. (laughs) Well, it's like it it takes – I mean, the NFL is – I mean, it's always been a a 12-month-a-year situation, but now it really is a 12-month-a-year situation. Before I get to my question, uh, you're going to want to master, I don't know if you have or have not already, but you're going to want to master handling your phone with just your left hand so that you can give baths and swaddle with your right. I've been trying. I've been getting better at that. That is a skill, I will say. It, I, I run training sessions if you're interested. All right. yeah, I, I, I might course. take you up on that. I can always get better. Just like gambling, you can always get better. You can always get right. better. Speaking of always getting better, what have you learned? Like, best ball is still new enough, I think, that we're learning as we go with it. Um, yeah. What do you? What? What are you? What are some of your takeaways? You know, from you know this year's you know crop of drafts and you know heading towards next year. Of which, honestly, if they launched, if Underdog launched the contest for next year, I'd be in it this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I hundred percent believe that. Like, it's a fantastic product. I for me. Um, I try to take it from like a cash game hybrid GPP perspective on DraftKings. I MME a lot, um, but I MME a little different than a lot of people. Like I'll take very hard stands. So I have a ton of Baltimore and a ton of Miami. Um, I, a lot of people don't go over 20% on guys. Like I have like 80% Odell, like literally 80% Zay Flowers. I have 59%. Um, Lamar, I have up at 60%. And then I have a run back from Miami, probably on every team just for the week 17 correlation. If a team gets there. So like, I'm not spreading out my ownership. Like I'm, I'm taking a very strong, I just treat it as like a regular DFS slate for me. Um, where I, I, I take strong stands. See, I feel good now because I did the same thing, uh, with the chargers. I didn't go as high, but I'm like at 35%. Keenan Allen, 35% Mike Williams, Eckler. I thought they were easy. They were an easy team, I thought, to like stack up. A hundred percent. They're extreme. Like if you have, if they're just get like, you don't want to get too cute. Like you can easily stack them. I don't know who their week set, who's their Broncos. Broncos. So a lot of Cortland Sutton, as it turns out. I got lucky because I couldn't yeah. get Judy because yeah. he was in the middle of Allen and Williams, but I, I got a lot of Cortland Sutton. Yeah. Like I like that whole, just like Herbert, Eckler, Keenan, Quentin. Uh, Gerald Everett yep. and the run back. I think the run back's like important just because if you're going heavy, you want that. You want to have that run back in a week 17 game. Like people say it's not a big deal, but for me, it's just something I'm targeting. Cause if I get a team in luckily um, I'll have that core, I'll be in a good spot. Right. Right. That's well, especially late, especially in the later rounds when you're just really just, you know, might as well, you know, throw a dart. You know what I mean? Like you might as well take the guy on the other side of the game. I have like forty six percent chain, which is like way. <laughs> right. Like I got killed on Twitter. Someone was like, "Oh, he's a punt returner," you know. But then Jeff Wilson goes down. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think they draft a guy who's going to run like a four two four three and leave him on the as bench. a running back to be a punt returner. Right. Like there's no way they have him running through the tackles all summer. Like 
Mostert gets injured. I don't, I don't know. It's just, I, I, so that's for me. I just go, I, this is what I do in MME and DFS too. I go super heavy on the guys I like, or just a significant core, for example. Yep. Yeah. So in terms of that, spinning that into a potential lesson for next year, is it, let's see how that goes. And if you have success this year, then that's your strategy or and if it kind of blows up in yeah. your face, because maybe next year you'll be more balanced or. There's not a great sample size. I don't know if I'd be more balanced because I've seen it so much from a DFS perspective where it's just worked for me in the past doing it this way. Um, and it's across like different sports. Like even like I like to take heavy stands. It makes more sense to me for whatever reason. If the slate fits that way, like Baltimore was a very simple stack to get overweight on if you wanted to. And they were in the most explosive week 17 game. Yeah, that's not the end all be all, but. It's where I if if I got to week 17, I want guys from that game. And also like thinking about Lamar Jackson, for example, if you're running cash games on DK and you take salary away and you're playing a head to head, I consider like a 12 man on DK, which is pretty much the starting tournament of best ball. I consider that a cash game. Take away cash, take away a salary. Every single high stakes cash game player, if they had to start a team, is going to take Lamar as their quarterback in that 12 man you get, or Justin Fields or someone with rushing equity. So for me, like it was just the easy play to, I Lamar was in the best game. Fields was versus Atlanta. Yeah. It's in a dome. I have, I have like 40% fields on the other side of that. Like I, that was like my other QB that I went with um, pretty heavily. And like, yeah, I just, they're the guys that are going to get me out of the 12 man. Right. So that was what my thought process was. I love best ball. It really, it, it's, <laughs> it, it is taken over like so much of my like daily gambling life. I, I, I'm going to, I'm like kind of sad now that like I'm ready to drop playoff teams. Let's get going. Right, right. I mean, we're, let's launch. Everyone's waiting on QBs and waiting on QBs. Like at the end of the end of the season, if you played playoff, get best ball, like every QB was going in the first or second round. So now in season long drafts, they're going to go in like the fifth. You're going to like, obviously you, you can Lawrence is probably the best value stack. If you want to wait on Lawrence, like he made the most sense to wait on, but I don't know. I they play Tennessee week seventeen. Like if it comes down to that, I don't want to be. I want a game that I don't know. I think is going to shoot out, right? I don't right. know if Tennessee is right. going to shoot out. I I feel very out of my depth in, in this part of the conversation <laughs> because I I last night my son and I did our one and only best ball draft of the season. We did it. We did a DraftKings the ten dollars to to win a million up top. Uh, you know, uh, had pick had uh, round one pick one. So obviously take Jefferson, and then it actually fell into our lap that we got Hawkinson around forty eight, and Cousins was still there at like pick ninety six or whatever. So we're all stacked up on the Vikings, and uh, yeah, we'll have a fun sweat. Uh, We'll see. I'm I'm on the call now with a guy who won a million. Maybe I'm the next one with my with my one bullet in the out of uh, 1.2 million entries or whatever it is. If if you win with your one bullet, you can promptly fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I have from all work. I gladly will. <laughs> All right. This has been great, Bobby. Really good talking to you. Uh, I'll let everyone know they can find you on Twitter at Bobby Gomes DFS. Uh, thanks so much for uh, taking a little time to chat with us and good luck with uh, all your uh, wagering this NFL season. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Good luck to you guys as well. All right, Bobby. Thanks. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and our only graded bets are from the U.S. Open. Uh, here they are. When he was guest co-host, Adam Small put 50 bucks on Igas Fiontek to win the women's side. That lost. But he put $30 on Daniil Medvedev to win the men's, and he's still alive with four players remaining. Uh, although Adam got him pre-tournament at plus 700 now he's reached the semis and he's plus 1100. Go figure. <laughs> um, I guess the, the plus 700 was counting on maybe Alcaraz or, or Djokovic having lost by now. Uh, with, with both of them still in there, they're giving Medvedev no chance. Um, as for my bets, Pagula to win her quarter lost. That cost us 60 bucks. But Mukova to win her quarter was a win. We, uh, so we profited $95 there. 
And lastly, Alcaraz in straight sets last Thursday was a win. Uh, it was a sweat first. The third set went to a tiebreaker, but uh, he won it. So we got a uh, $50 profit on that one. So we won 35 bucks for the week. We're now down by $2,298. We also have $3,271 on holding futures bets. That leaves us with 44.31 available to bet with this week. But before we start making bets, I'll try to quickly run down our list of all the NFL bets we have heading into the season, just to reset everything for ourselves and our listeners. And uh, Jeff, you can chime in with quick comments uh, as you're reminded of these and as you have something to say about them. Um, first off, uh, Super Bowl related bets. We have the Dolphins to win it all at 30 to one for 20 bucks. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Regretting that one already. It's only yeah, 20 bucks. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Uh, then we have your sequence of Eagles to win the NFC at plus 330, Chargers to win the AFC at 14 to 1, Eagles over Chargers in the Super Bowl at 100 to 1, and Chargers over Eagles in the Super Bowl at 90 to 1. I know I know you're still uh, very yeah, high on the Chargers, so feeling yep, yep. fine about all those. All right. A couple of MVP bets. Uh, I put 100 bucks on Mahomes at 7 to 1, and you put 50 bucks on Herbert at 15 to 1. Okay, I like them both. Uh, you have two coach of the year bets: Campbell at plus nine fifty for a hundred bucks, and Staley at plus twenty five hundred for a hundred bucks. Yep, yep. Uh, you have Will Anderson for defensive rookie of the year at five to one. Uh, you have Bijan Robinson for offensive rookie of the year at three to one. Uh, you also have Robinson for the most rushing yards in the league at fifteen to one for just twenty bucks on that. Uh, slightly bigger one on that front: uh, Madison at thirty five mm. to one for fifty bucks. Was that it? Was that a groan of not feeling as good about no, that one now? That was, that was an mmm of a tasty. Oh, I, okay. I, you still like really, that one. I love that one. Okay. We're going to hear more about Alexander Madison before this day is over. Okay. All right. Good. Um, you have Lamar Jackson for the most touchdown passes at a great price of 75 to 1 for 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, I have Richardson under 2,600.5 passing yards uh, for $100. I already regret that bet now that he's been named starter, but uh, at least yeah. I kept it small for a season-long prop bet. I didn't go 200 or 300 or anything. Um, I feel better about uh, Mike Evans under 65.5 receptions for $240. Uh, as for some, I have a sequence here of uh, teams that I am fading, basically. Uh, the Colts under six and a half wins for $200. Raiders to be the last winless team at 18 to one for 50 bucks. And Patriots, uh, Commanders, and Raiders all to miss the playoffs. Uh, a parlay uh, priced at minus 113 for $226. And lastly, uh, a series of bets for week one that have already been placed. Uh, we have $153 on Detroit plus six and a half tonight at minus 102. So great value on that one already, whether it wins or loses. Uh, we have your NFL week one parlay of Falcons minus three, Bears minus two and a half, Giants plus three and a half, and Dolphins Chargers over 50 and a half. That's uh, mm -hmm. at plus 1122. You also have Minnesota minus six and Eagles minus three and a half uh, standard 110 pricing. So. Mm -hmm. We have a lot invested uh, in these various futures. Hopefully we do better with football than we've been doing with baseball. Uh, it is time to add some bets. Uh, so uh, you're up first, Jeff. All right. Uh, I, I think we're going to be hearing this guy's name more than once today, but uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, over six and a half receptions, 110 to win 100. He's getting double digit targets. I, 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 I really, I, I love this. I love this one. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, indeed, we will uh, hear his name again. We're hearing it right now. I'm starting with uh, a same game parlay for tonight's game. A simple two leg touchdown score parlay. And I locked in this price Wednesday afternoon, not knowing for sure if Travis Kelsey is or isn't playing, but I'm hoping for purposes of this bet that he gets ruled out. I have the aforementioned Amon Ross St. Brown and Noah Gray each to score a touchdown. Uh, the first few sites that I checked, it was pricing out at plus 509 then plus 575 but i kept uh, checking around and bet river spit out a price of plus 750 for this one pretty big difference there here's what i figure st brown is of course Goff's favorite target chiefs never known for a stifling defense a pretty straightforward pick on him to score noah gray entering his third season he scored a couple of times in two tight end sets so the bet isn't dead if Kelsey plays, but the idea here is that he'll be the starting tight end, hopefully, and that Mahomes will be motivated to show he can get the job done without Kelsey and, and look to target Gray in the red zone. Um, 
I don't think this would have been a value play at plus 575 or so, but at plus 750, I like it. So let's go 40 to win 300 that both Gray and Amon Ra score tonight. All right. I like it. Uh, how about Deshaun Watson? Before I even say it, what do you think is over under uh, his passing yards total is? Passing yards there against the Bengals? Yeah. Uh, at home. At home. Uh, 260-ish? 228 and a half, right? Okay, uh-huh. That sounds kind of low. It seems low. Uh I mean, that's on par with Tannehill. Mayfield's prop is higher. I'm unclear what's going on here. I think the Browns are planning on throwing the ball more this year. Mm -hmm. They might have to throw the ball more in this game against the Bengals. Uh, They didn't sign Watson to the biggest contract in NFL history or whatever just to hand the ball off to Nick Chubb 30 times a game. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm this as you the 260 number sounds about right to me. 228 Mm. sounds way low. So let's go 220 to win. Uh, this is a bet 365 minus 110. Uh-huh. Two, two, 220 to win 200 on this one. Okay, good. As as you were as you were as you were showing a lot of confidence in that, and I was getting ready to say if he says what 110 to win 100, I may uh, ask him to go higher. So I'm glad you had, yeah. you had that thought in in mind there. So uh, yeah, 200. I. I, it Seems feels long. it feels like they're just baking in how bad he was last year, and, and or yeah. not baking in, but like basing it around that, and not adjusting for the possibility that he's back to being some reasonable facsimile of the Deshaun Watson we remember, but. or a reasonable facsimile of an NFL quarterback, <laughs> right? Right. Like a bad NFL quarterback. Like right. That, that still still go over 228 and a half a lot right. of the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, all right. I'm keeping it pretty simple with my remaining two bets. I uh, have a spread bet here. Steelers getting two and a half at home against the 49ers. Uh, our guest Dave Damashek won me over to an extent. I'm not sure the Steelers get to 10 or 11 wins. Uh, like he's confident they will. But I think they'll be solid as they always are. And I just don't see him coming out and getting convincingly beaten at home in the opener. And I remain slightly skeptical about Brock Purdy. Um, I don't love giving up the hook, but I still think the Steelers are a little undervalued here. So simple 110 to win 100 on Pittsburgh covering the two and a half. All right. Uh, Last bet for me. Alexander Madison. There it is. Oh, oh, oh. So (laughs) the Vikings are favored against the Buccaneers Mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. Okay. Madison, by all accounts... Every beat writer that I've read, and I every he is set to not only be the lead back, he is set to be the bell cow. Yes, they got Tyson Chandler, Ty Chandler behind him. They signed Miles Gaskin off the street. Madison at home favored. I don't, I don't understand. His rushing yard prop is fifty six and a half at wow. three sixty five. If his name was Dalvin Cook, right? Okay. This would be in the high 70s. Yeah. Without question. This is, to me, a terrible misprice. So do I want to go two units on this one? I do not. I want to go three units. I knew one. it. <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could sense that setup coming. 330 to win wow. 300. Okay. And while we're at it, let's just throw another 100 on all three of these props uh, <laughs> parlayed for, uh, at 553 odds. So Watson over, Madison over, and St. Brown over. Yeah. Plus five fifty three hundred bucks. Yep. Okay. You're you're coming out firing. I like it. Uh, but yeah, that yeah. prop the it, it would seem he really the the only route to him going under is if they fall behind and are and are playing from behind all game. Which but it, I just we, but it's not likely you know, against Tampa right. Bay and Baker Mayfield and all that. So uh all right. I like it. Um, my last one here, we published an article on Sports Handle this week by Roto Grinders Justin Carlucci saying the Titans plus three and a half at New Orleans was the best spread bet of the week. Um, I agree, it's a good one, but I'm going to make it uh, a money line play where Tennessee is as high as plus 152 at Bet Rivers. The Titans were decimated by injuries last year. Everyone remembers their big losing streak to end the season. But people are ignoring that the team out there losing week in and week out wasn't really the Titans. To me, it's a simple case of Tennessee is a bit undervalued coming into the season. And the Saints seem clearly overvalued to me. Carr is historically bad at first in a new system. There's a lot of pressure on him while Tannehill is facing no expectations and and can fly under the radar and just do his job. And oh, by the way, he now has DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. So 
100 bucks to win 152 that the Titans pull what the sports books are calling an upset, but I really think it's like 50-50 at worst that they win this game. Yeah, I could see it. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to this week's guest, Bobby Gomes. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And before I pass it to you to take us out, Jeff, Once again, I have a departed colleague to say a word about. Uh, A few weeks ago, we shouted out Brett Smiley, and now, sadly, Adam Small is leaving Better Collective. Uh, Although he's staying on a little while as a consultant, it's not as clearly defined an exit as Smiley's. But anyway, uh, regular listeners know Adam. He's made quite a few guest appearances. He is the man who started usbets.com. He's the man who hired me in 2018. He's been a successful entrepreneur in the online gambling business going way back to his launch of Pocket Fives, and he's just an outstanding person, was a great boss when he was our boss, remains a great friend. I truly cannot possibly think of a single negative thing to say about Adam, uh, but he'd done about all he could do in this job and at this company and, and felt it was time to try something new, so I'm excited for whatever his next move will be and just very grateful to him for hiring me five and a half years ago. I hope and kind of assume that he'll still do the interview segment on the pod again some point in the future. I I doubt he'll exit our industry entirely. So it's probably not goodbye. It's just uh, until next time. Uh, But uh, thanks, Adam. You've been awesome. Sorry to see you go. Uh, Now over to you, Jeff. Yeah. Fuck Adam. Uh, No, No, losing Adam after losing Brett is not ideal. We we are and remain a a pretty much very tight knit cast of characters here on the Mm -hmm. U.S. best sports handle side of things. Adam and Brett were our leaders, you know, I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, But yeah, for real, Adam, you know, and you touched on some of this, but Adam can spot talent like no one's business. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that sounds braggy because he hired me. Right. (laughs) But seriously, this is no joke. I, I, I consider myself, you know, the weak hitting defensive specialist shortstop of this squad. You know, (laughs) Uh, I am surrounded by like a bunch of really talented and like hardcore journalists. Uh, And you have to understand, Adam's not a journalist. You know, he's a business guy. But for Adam to have spotted the people that he hired and he hired all of us uh, and and to give us the opportunity to thrive. You know, listen, we all should be so lucky to have a boss who's such a smart dude. And and as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, also, he's really fucking nice, like, you know, like good guy of the year material. Nice, which always makes me feel like not as nice as I should be in general. Um, So that's a bonus. And I found out recently he orders matzo balls from super restaurants unironically. So, yeah, (laughs) we're going to miss you, Adam. Gamble on. <laughs>